welcome, welcome. This is episode two of Shut Up and Listen. You got your favorite duo here, F, that's me. And we also have M. That's me. <laughs> so thank you guys for listening. Before we get started, I wanted to talk about uh, something before we get into our topics and introduce our special guest. There is a reason why M and I have a hard time getting into introductions <laughs> and same reason why we took so long to start our first episode and that is because we're constantly regenerating ourselves and due to this maybe good or bad trait that we have we decided to already rename our whole podcast <laughs> we're no longer Sal now we are soul because we felt like that emphasized our purpose here on shut up and listen being that we are digging into you, your soul. Fuck Sal. I never liked that guy anyways. <laughs> so today's topic is something that you're going to want to hear. It's going into the depths of social media relationships, conversations, the emotional toll that it takes on you. And we want to go ahead and introduce our special guests before we get started. M. <laughs> So this is someone who has recently been known as pissing people off, you know, but no one ever talks about the emotional toll it takes on you when you have these open conversations and you welcome conversations from anyone and anything really. She really has done an amazing job at that. Here we have Kayla. Hey guys, thank you for bringing me on. I'm so excited. This is going to be awesome and really deep. I know it will. Yes, we have we have a whole this might be a therapy session for me. So just if I take <laughs> over this episode, apologies ahead of time. <laughs> <laughs> Please do so. Please do so. <laughs> so Kayla, before I get started, um, you know, asking you some questions that I want you to elaborate on, your deepest, darkest secrets and digging into you. Is there anything you want to talk about? Just share a little bit about yourself, um, your topic today, what it is that you're going to be going into? Yeah, I'll give an overview. Uh, I think everybody knows my name, my actual name, Kayla, by now, but other people might know me as the angry behavior analyst. And people ask me all the time, uh, why are you angry all of the time? And I said, well, that's part of the issue right there is I never once said I was angry all of the time. So these black and white excessive overgeneralizations of who I am based on what I portray on social media, which is all me, this is all self-imposed. It's nobody else's fault. I think those are really, uh, th th it's really hard to almost kind of redeem yourself to people who have already decided for themselves who you are. So I'm excited to get into this a little further. And if you really think about it, if anyone really just pays attention and welcomes your post instead of just like automatically judging or shoving their thoughts down your neck, mm -hmm. you're just really passionate. That's why you're angry at certain situations. You're passionate about what's happening mm -hmm. and you want to make a change. That's how I interpret it. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like 
my I've always had that abrasive type of personality or more I, I tell everybody that I talk to I have more masculine traits to my personality so I'm really sarcastic I'm very blunt I'm really loud uh, I, I kind of lack this I, I joke that I lack a motherly instinct so I just don't have much girliness to me and I think that could be really off-putting to a lot of women and there are times when I'll put things out there and I feel like I'm being very clear that I'm angry air quotes about a topic, but some people are taking it personally. Like I'm angry with them when I'm never personally saying anything to anybody. I mean, I try my best to be as neutral as I possibly can be in any interaction I have on social media so that nobody could turn around and say like, Oh, your, your name is accurate. You are angry. I told you so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, they already know who you are, Kayla. You don't know who you are. You know, what's funny is I got a comment recently, you know, this is why people might think you're hard to talk to. And I said, well, the people who think I'm hard to talk to have never spoken to me before. So I I find that really hard to believe that people would have any idea if I'm hard or easy to talk to based on words that they read. It's because the people identify you. Don't Mm -hmm. forget that ever. Um, (laughs) So I want to kind of give people that are listening... I want you guys to hear more or less what it is that Kayla does share on her social media. Like, what is your social media about? Run us through more or less what it is that your purpose is behind your social media. What are the conversations you have? Maybe like a little example of the things that happen. So you can explain to our listeners what is the emotional toll that this has taken on you. Sure. I started off, first of all, I started off having all of these social media conversations in person. I didn't want to be someone that started opening myself to the audience and and open communication before um, I ever practiced doing it in person. Because I think when we become that person online, it's really easy to fall into this audience capture where, oh, I'm a fashionably unpopular person. And then you get too afraid to have these actual conversations in real life. You're only willing to have them in these confines of comment sections and DMs. So I was really late to Instagram. I just started mine uh, a year ago, a little over a year ago. And I was having all these conversations in person, whether they ranged from feminism to womanhood to clinical psychology related trends, pop psychology. Um, and I'm really into conformity and, and social psychology. So that was a lot of what I talked about and debated. And because I'm a BCBA, I guess I started off looking at a lot of the problems within the autism realm and the BCBA realm. And that really quickly grew into just wanting to bring all of the other topics that I'm interested in, into my social media. And that's where it really started uh, getting a little bit fiery in terms of my audience and the conversations that I would have. So mostly just because you would actually give your honest opinion on topics, people would attack. Yeah. And it was the funniest thing that I've seen on Instagram is you give someone a statistic and a fact and they say, well, that's not a fact then what is it? Uh, It's a literal percentage from the U.S. Census Bureau. So what what do you call that? (laughs) And, you know, the fire back is, well, it's falsified. And I say, well, can you prove that it's falsified? And then that's when I usually get blocked um, or called a homophobe or a transphobe or a sexist or a racist. So, yeah. I love that. 
I love it too. I really do love that. <laughs> and how has it how has it affected you though? Do you feel like it's affected you or like maybe when you started was it like fiery like were you like attack yay this is what I wanted or was it like wait wait um <laughs> guys I had come to expect a lot of pushback so it never came as a shock I mean I fully expected that I would get tons of people that were reading this and saying who is this bitch like where does she get off saying this stuff so it didn't come as a surprise per se but what really struck me was the immaturity and the arrogance and the complete unwillingness to even understand me because in person uh, when I would have these conversations with my students or colleagues or my dad or whoever they all asked for, they all asked me to clarify and elaborate my position. They actually asked me questions. What I was seeing when I entered the Instagram scene was nobody asked me a single question. They all just said, you know, they, they made up their conclusion about what I was trying to say. Um, and that was really hard for me. When I first started, I used to dwell on the comments I'd get for days. There were some that really just got in my head for like weeks at a time. Um, but I feel like I've had so much exposure to it now that I'm really desensitized to when I see notifications that people are sending me paragraphs. But there is an emotional toll that nobody talks about. It's hard to constantly feel like you're always defending yourself. And again, that's self-imposed. That's not anybody else's fault. But it's hard to always feel like you're wanting to clarify your position with people because my mission is to be open, right? Kayla said she's open, so Kayla will invite any conversation. So I started inviting conversations with people that weren't even trying to understand me. They were just trying to turn everything into this gotcha moment. And it just gets really exhausting to have these types of conversations over and over and over um, and have there be nothing come out of it other than me being frustrated and the other person probably being frustrated. So at the end, it never ended up being even a debate. It was oh no, it was just I'm gonna give you my opinion. Yeah, it was never a debate. It was me asking questions, the person saying, "Why are you asking so many questions?" Me saying, "Well, I'm trying to understand you. That's what questions are for." I said, "Well, I feel like a defendant." If you feel like a defendant and if logic is burdensome and scary for you, then you probably shouldn't be having these conversations in the first place. I mean, that's to me, that's common sense. And I don't understand how that's not common sense to other people. Yeah. It's like, why are you dropping your opinion if, if you're not ready to hear my end of the state? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, they want you to go to like their debate. Like they, they yes, want you to listen their to talk. their TED talk. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they want you to like listen to their speech or something. And it's like, that's not what this is. We're supposed to be learning from each other or understanding each other at least. And if that's how the conversation started, that would be totally fine. If it was like, Kayla, I this is what I'm thinking. Can you just listen and let me know what you think? I'd be more than happy to do it. But to come into a conversation and say, I'm open. I love free speech. And then you immediately develop all of these really strict parameters around how the conversation goes. That's not being a proponent for free speech at all. That's being a proponent for you to speak freely, but nobody else to be able to do so. It's like if they were scrolling to through Instagram and they saw your post and they were like, ha <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. I think people sometimes wait to see what I'm going to post because I, I mean, 
uh, you know, I don't like to get too caught up in followers because it's ridiculous, but you know, I've really just hit a major plateau on Instagram for over two months now. Like nothing has moved, nothing has changed because I've been reported and blocked so many times that it's just, I'm finding like very little motivation to even keep posting things on Instagram. And that's part of the emotional side too, because to a degree I've used it for business. Um, and I think it's really selfish when people say, oh, my feelings were hurt by something that wasn't even directed at me. I'm going to block this person without taking into account that maybe a big chunk of their income comes from this sort of thing. Maybe I could email her and ask her questions if I got upset, but there was never any of that. It was just Kayla's a mean bitch. Um, and this is, this is a hit towards my character. That is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I wanted to ask you, what is something that you used to believe in? So once you created your social media page, like what were your thoughts? What is it that you used to believe in that now after all this that you've experienced, you no longer believe in? That's a really, really good question. Um, one of them is like a really specific example. And then one is a really kind of more general one. Do you want me to do both? Yes. Okay. It. The really specific <laughs> example was... All of the behavior that I was seeing that just reminded me of a high school cafeteria on social media, I told myself, well, these are just really young people. They're probably Gen Z. Look at how the media portrays Gen Z. I don't talk to anybody from Gen Z. This must be them. Uh, and I teach uh, courses at a university and I could tell you that Gen Z is nothing like how people portray them to be. They are, they're brave, they're intelligent, they're open and they have shown more dignity and self-respect than anybody my age or older that I've seen on social media. So I think I allowed myself to get caught up and maybe, gosh, these people, they must be Gen Z because everyone's saying that it's Gen Z. And I've read all the studies about Gen Z. It must be them. And, you know, I'm technically a millennial and, and the behavior I see that's horrendous and just honestly quite disgusting is millennials and older. So that was something that really changed my perspective on kind of who the perpetrators are on social media. <laughs> um, the second thing that changed my mind was I got a little bit too obsessed with my mission of being open all of the time with everybody. I felt like if I don't open if I'm not open to any and every conversation, uh, that makes me a hypocrite because that's my entire mission. But now I am realizing that you can still be you, Kayla, and you could still promote whatever mission you promote uh, and block people and ignore people and tell people um, kindly to F off. <laughs> that was something that I was, I guess kind of apprehensive to do for a long time because I just felt like it it didn't go along with what I wanted for the angry analyst. You know what I just thought of right now that um, I haven't told this to you, Kayla? I, like mm -hmm. we talk like almost every other week or every week. I mm -hmm. feel like people feel comfortable treating you that way because people are very mean to you in the comments mm -hmm. and so rude, so rude. Yeah. It's like wh who raised you people? Like, I want to yeah. meet your parents. I want to know your culture, yeah. you know? Like, I mm -hmm. I want to know about you because I need to understand at this point why you're so goddamn rude. 
Mm-hmm. And it's almost mm-hmm. like uh, the people commenting or messaging you or emailing you, they hold you to um, even like a higher tolerance, not only a higher standard for you yeah. not to be rude, but they 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 assume that you have this higher tolerance since you're the angry behavior analyst and mm-hmm. you're posting about things that people don't want to talk about or that not a lot of people even know the definition of it, like neurodivergent Mm -hmm. you know like what is that what 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 everyone talks about it but everyone Mm -hmm. doesn't use the same definition yeah I, i agree with what you're saying um and you're basically saying that just because of this character that she has on social media and how she's been you know how you said angry behavior analyst they're like ha I can attack mm-hmm. her and it's not going to, it's not going to scratch her surface. Like, exactly. This is a perfect opportunity for me to be a bully. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think from anybody that sees how I respond to people, I have not once made any character attack at anybody. I I, I don't, in my personal opinion, you guys could correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I don't think I've said anything that was even remotely snarky or sarcastic. I mean, I try to stick to objective neutral all the time, no matter what I get. And I I sometimes find it interesting that, well, Kayla, again, the free speech thing, Kayla loves free speech. Kayla's for open conversation. She must be perfect 100% of the time. And so when I attack her and call her a Nazi and a white supremacist and a bitch and a sexist and an ableist, she has to take it. And if she doesn't, or if she fires back irrationally, then she's a hypocrite. She's not open to conversation. And it's just, I I was told at one point when someone left me literally nine novels in the comment section about (laughs) how wrong I was, how everything I was saying was false. I purposely skewed my facts. I had no idea what I was talking about. I responded. And then she told me what I should be saying instead. I responded and said, I just haven't really come across someone so arrogant enough yet to tell me how I should be managing my social media And her response was, wow, you called me arrogant. That's a little bit too much for me. (laughs) So, okay, let me get this straight. So you could type a novel about how how my terrible character, but then as soon as I call you out for your arrogance, all of a sudden it's just too much. Yeah. I I think that's insane. They, and I want to say they, but um, then it would sound like I'm targeting that person or specific people in your comments I'm not but just people in general because if I were to post something right now I'm sure people not many would comment but the ones that do it's gonna be very much their perspective on it Mm -hmm. and try to get me to think like them or to act like them why why do people think Mm -hmm. that that's okay this is my social media you don't have to respond to it or you don't have to voice your your opinion to it if you don't want to be polite yeah like why why is that not a thing opinion about everything correct yeah 
it became like an attack thing now on social media. It's like, oh, wait, you're voicing your opinion, me too, but it's going to be a fight. Yeah. Instead of it being like a mutual understanding, like, oh, you feel like that? Well, why do you feel like that? Like, where did you get your sources from? It's not an art. It's not a conversation anymore. It's just an argument. Well, even asking people for their sources now, people take that as an attack. <laughs> oh, so you're ganging up on me yeah. is what you're saying. Because I'm asking you where you are trying to get your information from. I mean, and and what strikes me too, guys, is like these are these are highly educated people. Most of them are professionals and they have full-blown careers. Most of the people that the three of us interact with have a master's degree. You would have to to be in this field or a similar or related field. I just don't understand how you could be that educated and in a field that works with people and then behave like that towards people. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Honestly. Especially because we're supposed to be, well, I don't know, I guess when you're educated or, you know, you get that far with your master's and whatever, you should have more culture, Mm -hmm. more understanding and all of that. And it's like we have the opposite. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What's happening? And I think about this often. All those people that have taken time to bully you, Kayla, and Mm -hmm. to harass you. And you've never gone out of your way to like report them or any. You just kind of like say bye to them. You know, like Mm -hmm. goodbye, conversation over. This doesn't need to continue. It's hard for me to believe that this person is a happy person. That you love. Oh, there's no way yeah. you could be happy like, and do that. There's no way. There's. It doesn't fit in my mind like, that you absolutely love your job, you love your career, you love your life. You wouldn't be acting like that. I've, I've never... Yeah, because it fills like a social void in some way. Like I have a, a really strong sense of myself and my abilities and what I want to do. So... Even the times when, you know, I'm a human just like anybody else. I'm fallible just like anybody else. There are parts of me and immature parts of me that want to fire back. God, do I want to fire (laughs) back sometimes? You know, I don't ever want this to be that I'm just this zen, calm, neutral person all the time. That would be impossible. Um, But I also know that it will do nothing for me to do that. It won't make my life any better. I'm okay not having the last word. And I think needing the last word all the time says a lot about, uh, like you said, Mercy, the the happiness and contentment that these that these people have or lack thereof. Yeah, like they're trying so hard to shove down their theory. They're almost trying to prove themselves right. That's that's what it feels like, even it's like Yeah. That they start going off into tangents that you weren't even talking about. You know, you start talking about blue and purple. And then before you finish, you're talking about different shapes and sizes of stuff. It's like we were just talking about colors. How did we get Mm -hmm. here? You know, that there's no structure in the conversation. You guys start talking about a million different things. It's hard to really believe that that person is happy. Like you you sound they sound crazy. There's no structure, but I also think that's intentional on some people's part. I think it's intentional that 
Uh, some people will try to divert the conversation away from the fact that they're about to be wrong or from the fact that they are about to enter part of the conversation where they don't have information to support their facts. And I, I, it's such an important skill to, to have enough self-assurance to be able to say, you know what, that's a good point. I actually don't know. Yes. I mean, that would bring so much more meaning to the conversation than saying, well, why are you talking about this, Kayla? And then they bring it in this section, like you said, that that wasn't even part of the conversation. And that's where people get angry. And then that's where nothing ever gets resolved. Yeah. You, or even understood. Yeah. You, you don't finish understanding them and they definitely don't understand you or your point of view or where you're trying to get at. You know, sometimes, yeah. sometimes your posts um, say one thing and like your caption really shares your message or you jump on your story and you share more about what you mean. People mm -hmm. don't look into that for like, it's, it's hard to believe that they do or if they do, they're like, that's not what she's really talking about. She's talking from yeah. the point of view. Yeah. Like, but, mm -hmm. you know? It's all an assumption. <laughs> they just create an assumption about whatever it is that you wrote, whatever it is that you said. Mm -hmm. They listen to one word and they're like, ha I knew it. She's a racist. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I have a sub stack. I write very extensively about all of these things. And I have a podcast and there are a million sources of information of indirect information where you could gain a fuller understanding of where I'm coming from. And if you don't want to do that, then then hop on zoom with me. I'll give you my number. We could talk on the phone. But that's I've hardly had anybody take up that invitation. So now that we're on that topic, I wanted to ask you, um, can you tell us can you tell us about your best days and your worst days? So I know you've had I know we've talked a lot about, you know, the monstrosity of uh, comments that you've gotten that are pretty negative. But what are what what's like one of your best responses, best reactions that you've gotten, best outcome, best day? <laughs> you know, I think that the negative comments I get, they just hit harder. So they feel like there's a lot of them. But in when you compare the negative to the positive, there really is a small percentage of negativity that I get it. Generally, it's been pretty positive. Uh, one of the best things was someone sent me a picture recently. Uh, they like quoted a post that I had made and they wrote it on their whiteboard at work wherever they work. I don't even know what state they live in. And they said, you know, oh, I came into work and someone wrote this quote from you on the whiteboard. Uh, and I thought, I thought that was really cool. And I think I love getting messages from people all over. I mean, now I'm getting people from all over the world asking me about how they could manage certain situations at work or manage certain situations with, um, clients or, or conversations that they're getting in. So those are my favorite things. Um, that kind of make it worth it, I guess. I know that's a cheesy ending, but that's amazing, though. No, but it, it, yeah, that's fulfilling. It's the, this was the purpose. The purpose was to get that reaction. Like you know, we understand each other. You understand where I'm coming from, and you know the positive outcome mm -hmm. to it. So totally. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that's been really great. And uh, you did mention that you try to get people to like get on the phone with you and conversate when they do have some type of debate. Have you been able to actually get anyone on Zoom or on the phone to actually debate with you? And have you guys come to an understanding? One person. I've what? Brad. 
he came on the podcast. Yeah, so Brad gave me a really uh, feisty review of my podcast and I read it. And of course, my first thought, I think I'm like a sadist in a lot of ways. I'm like, I want to talk to this guy. I just got to have him on the podcast. And he came on and, and it's things like that, like that, that conversation we left with probably 90% of things actually in common with each other that we never could have had. If I had approached this as you're wrong, going point by point with his comment and trying to refute every single one of his points, that wouldn't have done anything. And I hear sometimes from people, oh, you didn't go hard enough on this person. I think you should have gone harder on so-and-so's point. I'm not trying to debate and win. I'm trying to like encourage more conversations with people so that the the people like Brad who hate what I say, maybe they have a different point of view and they want to keep talking to me and they feel comfortable disagreeing with me, you know, but he, he's been the only one that's agreed. One. One. Yeah. Did you guys hear that? And I've oh, invited one, one. probably, probably over 20 people at this point. I've only had one person. And, and you know what people say? It's funny when I invite them, this is primarily women. Actually, it's all women that have said no. Um, they said, well, I don't want to talk to a stranger. Like you're not talking to a stranger when you're writing novels on social media. And another excuse is, you know, well, I don't have time. I'm at work. Well, you clearly have time. You've been going back and forth for two hours. I mean, wouldn't that have been so much more productive had we just actually talked about it? So many questions. So many questions as to why they'll say like, oh, I'm busy or no, I don't have time. Makes me think like, do you really not have time to like sit down and just only have a conversation like are you in the middle of doing other things but some of these people are replying to you fairly fast so then i also think like do you not and yeah like, mm-hmm. do you not want to have a conversation on like because it's going to be recorded and other people are going to hear what you're saying to me and that's the thing too is i i tell people too i'm very empathetic to the fact that not everybody likes to be in the public eye like i I love public speaking. If I could do it for a living, I would talk in front of thousands of people all of the time. Like there, there's, it's just, that's where I feel very alive when I do those things. And it took some patience on my end to understand, okay, Kayla, some people are going to be nervous going on to a podcast. Some people are going to be nervous if they know they're on air. So if that's the case, I tell people this won't be recorded. You could sue me if I post this to the air. (laughs) This is just going to be me and you on Zoom. And if you're scared to see my face, how about a phone call? But I'm not going to keep indulging this back and forth uh, text to text format. I mean, I just don't know how, you know, it's been maybe like, what, three years since the pandemic when all this stuff started getting really bad. Aren't people tired? Of doing this. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand. Like, people have to be getting tired of doing all this. I think they're just more comfortable. In person, you call someone a Nazi and. Oh, yeah. You're you might get punched get, in the yeah. face, probably. You, it, you're going to get injured, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's easier to do that on social media, to be rude, to be a bully, to be so mean without taking your feelings into account or even caring about how you might feel to my response and let's say you don't want to care let's say you're like i don't give a shit i'm gonna say whatever i feel because she's saying whatever she feels cool 
don't offend me. Don't, yeah, don't offend like, me. That's become easier through social media, through DMs, through texting, that people don't want to have a conversation. They don't want to jump on FaceTime. It's just harder. I feel like it's just gotten harder for them. People are becoming blackpilled a little bit, I think. Where And by blackpilled, I mean they no longer are interested in understanding. Now it's like that eye for an eye type of, of mindset where, well, Kayla's being super open and I'm perceiving her to be rude, so I'm going to be rude. This person's being mean in my eyes. I'm going to be mean. It's almost like this uh, like moral bargaining where, you know, we, we feel like we want to one up people or at least be equal on this plane of uh, they were rude. So I'm going to be rude. And that's OK, since they're being rude in the first place. It's very childish. It, like, yeah. it reminds me of kids who say things like, well, he started it. That, that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's true. I feel like it's more of that too. Because even when I've gotten stuff on social media, I feel like it turns into that. And mm -hmm. I think I was like that in high school. Like, you know, high school is such like people get stuck there. Like in high school, I was uh -huh. I was definitely like, you're going to be mean. Watch this. Mm -hmm. Watch this, you know. But now it's just that is so draining. That's it's draining. And again, like I'm 31 years old. I do not want to speak to 31 year olds that behave that way. It's just disgusting. Honestly, I, I cannot believe that that someone, again, who's highly educated and has a career behaves this way. And it just makes me wonder, how do you speak to people you work with? How do you how do you speak to your clients? How do you speak to the families when they inevitably will disagree with you at some point it just makes me wonder yeah it makes me feel like they don't because if you can't have a conversation yeah. with something you know imagine walking into a client's house and this client wants you to do an intervention that is only used on horses are you just supposed to agree with it like sure yeah whatever you want we we've tried so many different things that's a great idea you know i if you really believe in it me too Instead of or on the, the flip side of that, too, is are you going to lecture them and be the ethics police like the, you will hear things that you don't like. You will hear something where someone will say, you know what? I heard horse tranquilizers are really effective. And it's very easy to jump to. Oh, my God, that's child abuse. I'm going to report you. The ethics code says this. Listen to where they're coming from. Correct. Right? Like yes. our knee-jerk reaction might be this person is insane. They're about to inject their child with a dart of horse tranquilizers. But then you might actually <laughs> find out that they're being sarcastic. You might actually find out that they're not referring to horse tranquilizers at all. You might find that there's a million things that you that you misunderstood about what they actually said had you just paused before you decided to start lecturing. Or that this is a parent that is desperate. This yes. is a parent that has tried and has waited for, for so many different outcomes and has gotten none. So, yeah, they're desperate. They're desperate for anything. And we're supposed to be there to help and to understand and to guide and sometimes just have a conversation. Can this person that is bullying you for speaking your mind and your facts that you have researched and read and looked up, can that person really have a conversation with a parent? It's hard to believe. I would think not. 
Yeah, yeah. Hard, hard to believe. I, I don't see it happening. I see it more like the type of I've, I've had when I was in RBT, I had supervisors that were like, you know, that that's not the right thing to do, right? Like they kind of like dab you with little like with their method. And it's like, I, I don't yeah. even know what I'm doing. That's why I'm asking you for help. Mm-hmm. And it's There's like, no critical thinking anymore. Like nobody thinks for themselves anymore. It's always a call to authority in some way or a mental shortcut. Like I saw this trend on social media. That sounds good. And a lot of autistic people like it. So I'm just going to say that I'm one of those people. And there's just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. it it's all about clout. Oh yeah. Yes. It's definitely about clout and who can have more followers so that they can start selling their merchandise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's definitely that. It's kind of scary to think that all these people voice all these uh, thoughts that they have. Like if they had so many facts to back it up, but it's th- there's no fact behind what you're saying. And you can't even show me the evidence that what you're saying is factual. It's just like your opinion. And, and you're like, no, this is like this because I said it's like yeah. this. Yeah. And there's part of it, too, where like th- there are conversations that you will have that are more subjective in nature and are more opinion based, like our feelings or our perception about things. That's fine. I don't drill people to prove that you're right about your per- your own perception. That's your own. Um, but a-, a lot of people I talk to, we kind of all get into the habit of these are my thoughts. I don't have anything to support this. This is just what I'm thinking right now. So at least like it's kind of out there that I'm not trying to prove a point. I'm not trying to spin this as if it exists in this encyclopedia. This is what I think. And I think that makes the conversation a lot easier to have. And it makes it a lot more civil because when people say things like that to me, I say, you know what? I don't actually have any of the facts either. And But this is how I think about it. Like there's very easy ways to do it that, uh, that apparently we need to teach people (laughs) yeah so that's the problem people don't know how to communicate anymore at all (laughs) seriously at all it's crazy i have interacted with people online um and then i i will maybe talk to them either on the podcast or on zoom or what have you and it's not compatible and that sounds so strange because you you feel like this person understands your point of view and you have some things in common. You disagree about some things, which makes a really great conversation. But then when you talk to them and, and hear how they talk and they just like kind of speak in these nine minute long monologues and there, there really is no back and forth to it. You're like, wow, have we, have we really forgotten how to talk that much? It's actually a little bit scary. It, it really is, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. and I really like what you were saying earlier about having a conversation with somebody and being able to just say like, hey, look, I have no facts on this. This has just been my personal experience. I've been in the field for X, Y, and Z, or I've experienced this this amount of times. This is my opinion on it. I strongly believe it. I have, again, no facts. What's your opinion on it? Mm-hmm. What's what's your take on it? Let's let let's yeah. let's have a little debate about this. Not like, oh, you're wrong, Kayla, and I'm right, or vice versa. Just share some thoughts. I can learn something from you, and you can possibly learn something from me. The average person these days is not thinking that way. They're thinking like, you're gonna read my FCAT essay paragraph, and 
um, I don't want to hear your opinion on it. I just want you to tell me like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, there was there was this debate, this uh, this feminist debate on Vice. They're doing a bunch of these feminist debates recently. One of the ones I saw recently, uh, the, the girl said something, and I'm and this is not verbatim. I can't remember exactly what she said. She said something along the lines of, "Well, when people tell you something, why do you have to ask them a question? Why can't you just respect the fact that they said what they said?" It's like you. So nobody's allowed to question anything. You just have to like nod your head and agree is essentially what you're saying. You have to respect the fact that that's their truth. And why would you ever ask them about it? Uh. What kind of world is that? So anytime someone says anything, we're just supposed to say, okay, I respect that. You could respect, show true respect to me is giving people, showing people dignity by challenging what they think. Respect is not bowing down and submitting to them because we're afraid that they're going to get their feelings hurt. That's not respect. That's like pseudo, pseudo friendship. Yeah. Something that you said earlier that really like resonated with me and it's like it's been lingering in my head and I've been wanting to bring it up, but then we start talking about (laughs) something else is is when you mentioned the millennial and the Gen Z thing way in the beginning. And I keep thinking and putting faces to the things that you're saying to millennial and Gen Z. I'm like, oh, my God, this is like, you know, our generation, the ones that are fighting back and and with no facts mm-hmm. or or why are we the ones lacking communication if we are part of the, you know, iPad area? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what's that called? Generation. Kid? No, the iPad kid. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, that's so weird, you know, you would think, or at least it's what's usually said, like, we're the ones with um, that are supposed to be more open or whatever. And we're not. It's it's Gen Z. They're more open, more easygoing, more. And we're like, it's like we don't know what to do, mm-hmm. that we're stuck behind the screen. Yeah. I just want to know how these people, because a lot of them that are BCBAs, they're going to be working with supervision students that are going to be younger and are looking for some sort of guidance. I I just, whether these people mean to or not, I like to assume and give people the benefit of the doubt, whether they mean to teach rigidity or not, they are teaching rigidity. If, if you are modeling to whoever you're working with, that you are unwilling to be challenged and you're unwilling to talk about anything, those are the supervision students who will never ask you questions they will fly through their supervision and they'll pass the exam and they will wonder, okay, what do I think? And who, who even am I as a behavior analyst? They're going to be, they're not going to be able to formulate their own identity because everything has just been borrowed from what they see. And that's really sad. I say it all the time. Um, Many people can be a BCBA. Not everyone could be a supervisor. I don't think that absolutely everyone could. You can become a supervisor the day after you pass your exam. Mm-hmm. I the day yeah. after I passed and like what well, I got my results that I that I had passed. My employer at the time said, okay, so I just need you to take the supervisor exam because everything is so fresh in your head. You'll be able to supervise anybody. I said, but what does passing the exam have to do with being a supervisor? Literally has nothing to do with it. 
Yeah, no. I just I I the test doesn't prepare you for that. They just prepare you for certain scenarios. Maybe depends what type of student you were. If you like ate the book and spit it back out and ate it again like me, then maybe you have a couple scenarios in your head. But no, not 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 even because not everyone knows how to teach. Not everyone knows how to organize or uh, direct, I guess. Like it's not, yeah, I guess direct because you basically have to tell people what it is that they should do when they enter uh, a new house, like how they should communicate with parents, you know. And be patient. That's, that's, Mm -hmm. that's really the key. You can't, what are you going to do with a supervisee that doesn't agree with what you're saying? That, that exactly that's what that, i would want to know that that doesn't want to have a conversation with you you know like let's say this person is very uptight you're the supervisor you can't sit there and have an argument with them you have to be able to figure out a way to work with them and to get them to want to learn from you if not you're gonna have to go back to your your sorry your your employer and be like i can't deal with this person hand them to somebody else how many times are you going to do that before you realize you're the problem? Yeah, and to allow them to figure things out themselves. I mean, I what I see with a lot of supervisees now is that, and this is no fault of their own, it's probably what they've been taught, so please don't, I want to be very clear about that. They, they just require so much hand-holding. I mean, I was doing um, like a mock p- parent intake the other day, and the person I was working with, she essentially said, like, can you start the conversation for me? And I said, (laughs) no, I, no, I won't. And that's, that is terrifying to me. I mean, this isn't even like a real interview. This is a mock. This is something that's practice. And, you know, for someone to be so insecure in their skills and have no previous supervisor pick up on that and try to ameliorate that, they clearly just kind of allowed her to copy whatever they were doing. I mean, this was a person who literally wanted me to model how to ask a parent a question. (laughs) I actually had an experience like that yesterday. Now that you're mentioning that, that I had, uh, <laughs> I had one of the one of my supervisees starting, and they're like, "So how is it that I'm supposed to uh, introduce myself when I walk into yes. the door? Do I just say my name is so and so, first last name? I am this age. I work for this company. I was like, Are you really asking me how to communicate like you know like a normal mm-hmm. human like uh, like you don't know how to introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah, and I I literally think that. Some people don't. I literally think some people have spent so much time chronically online where you don't have to introduce yourself to people. You just jump to whatever you want to say that any of the nuances of conversation, people don't know how to do it. And then they avoid it because they tell themselves it's okay to avoid it. And then they learn nothing. That was that was it for me. That was like the, the cherry on top. I was like, hmm. I was, me too. They didn't teach me that in school. <laughs> no. The, <laughs> How do you introduce yourself? Hmm. (laughs) My supervisor, thank God I had such a great supervision experience. I mean, he did not allow any excuse to work in the slightest degree. Everything was, here's what you're going to do, Kayla. Go do it. I'm going to watch you. It's going to be uncomfortable. Have fun. That was it. And I'd be like, well, what do I? No, go do it. 
if you screw up, it's fine. We'll talk about how you screwed up, but I want you to at least try. I am so thankful that my entire supervision experience was that level of uncomfortable and like that level of just feeling like someone's over your shoulder watching you, but saying nothing. And then you get nine pages about all of the ways you screwed up, but it wasn't, he, he didn't do it in a way that was, ha ha, gotcha. Look at all these ways you screwed up. It was, this is where you screwed up. Okay. Oh, this plan is bullshit. Let's work on it together. Or you fix it, do it again, and then I'll tell you, I'll give you feedback. That was my entire, not even for for my ABA program, for clinical psych, all of my my professors were the exact same way. I mean, I I think that we've lost the ability to respond to direct, blunt feedback and communication, and we take it as an attack because we've gotten so used to fluff. Yeah, and uh, even like, so your, your supervisees that want you to hold their hands, they are not going to have the skill that you have because guess what? In the job, you're going to have to be doing stuff on the spot. You as the supervisor, mm-hmm. you're not going to have someone to pick up the phone to and be like, hey, yeah. um, so I just interviewed this client. We just finished a client intake. Um, what do you think about this? That doesn't exist. You know, unless you can pick up someone that's been in the field for 10 years and pick up the phone and call them and they're they, ha- they have a doctorate degree, maybe, or just call other colleagues, other BCBAs. Mm-hmm. That takes time. When you first become a yeah. BCBA, chances are all of your BCBA friends are also new. So you mm-hmm. pick up the phone and mm-hmm. you call them and <laughs> both of you are like, hmm. Great question. (laughs) (laughs) Great question. But if you practice that as a supervisee, you practice being under like under the stress of being on the spot. Parents are going to be constantly watching you. So what's Mm -hmm. the difference? So are the people you work with. You're always going to be watched. And I think about this girl, Kayla, can you start the conversation? I'm not going to be there to start conversations for you when you actually go work. And quite honestly, like I consider myself someone that's never actually offended or insulted. Part of me was actually insulted <laughs> that she would ask me something like that. I just, I didn't know whether to be shocked or insulted. Like, can I stop? What I, I was just shocked that, And again, if we're going back to the age thing, this is not someone that's Gen Z that just started school. I mean, this is someone that's halfway through their ABA program and is going to be sitting for the exam soon. I just, I find that mind blowing. And again, this isn't me criticizing her character per se or saying anything bad about her. I just find it really sad on the part of anybody in that situation that has come that far and realize, wow, I haven't been given any guidance or insight whatsoever this entire time. Some people might say like, oh, it's not, it's not my lack of tools, you know, like let's pretend everyone has a toolbox. A lot of people Mm -hmm. nowadays are like, no, your toolbox needs to look like mine or you should have the the tools that are compatible with mine instead of asking mm-hmm. themselves, okay, what tools do I need to go buy? Mm-hmm. What what tools do I need to go um, adapt? You know, like they don't ask themselves that. They, 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 people love to, you know, average person, not everyone, or at least 
the ones that I've interacted with, most people would love to or just love to blame their environment. Like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, how come you haven't st- uh, gotten back to school? And they start giving you a laundry list of all their yeah. problems. And it's like, okay, you want me to take out my laundry list of problems plus school? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, yeah, that's who doesn't have a laundry list of problems? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's you know? just your perspective on it and, and on, on, I guess, on life even because mm-hmm. – if you think that you have all the tools for success and all the tools to have a conversation with people or to implement a plan or to be successful at your job, mm-hmm. I feel sorry for you at that point. Like there's nothing I can do to help you if you think that you got it. If you think that you have stuff to teach me, mm-hmm. that is sad to me that people think that way because – at one point, I thought that way, and I think back to that um, version of M, and I, I, I feel bad for her. <laughs> like, like, wow, who the fuck is that? Yeah. I'm like, that wow, she, so stubborn, so hard-headed, mm-hmm. entitled, arrogant, miserable, so mm-hmm. miserable. Mm-hmm. Like that's uh, all. All those things just fall under miserable for me. That's why earlier I said hard to believe those people are happy because i see old m and i'm just like mm-hmm. wow get well soon <laughs> get <laughs> well. Riddance, soldier <laughs> get well soon you got this <laughs> yeah all, all these personal experiences and things that we've shared up to this point kind of lead me back to our main topic and how we have no idea how to communicate <laughs> <laughs> and we are misinterpret through through social media obviously because we are talking to each other back and Mm -hmm. forth through text and this leads me to a question I wanted to ask you Kayla what would you say is your primary value or what what was it I guess or just in general what is your primary value for your social media and when I refer to primary value I mean like what was your underlying motivation your drive your decisions like what drove your decisions your actions your desires I think my underlying value is humility, um, curiosity, and seeking out the truth. I think those are three things that put together drive everything that I want to do. So when I do feel defensive, when I do feel attacked, when I do sometimes struggle to admit when I'm wrong the same way anybody else does, that's all a part of being forthright in what I say and seeking truth over wanting to be perceived as right or wanting to be perceived as the, you know, the Messiah of intelligence. I mean, that's, it would be very easy to fall into that. Um, but I think that me wanting to understand people and have enough of a backbone to prove when I'm wrong, um, has really helped carve out the person that I am on and offline. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. Your, your value, I mean, that's a, that was your intention behind everything that you did. And I think that that's beautiful because it's like an open space to just conversate back and forth ideas and thoughts. And at the end from that, you gain knowledge from each other. A thousand percent. And that's that's what that's what so, social media should be or should Agreed. have Agreed. Let's all move to Twitter. 
yeah. I, I think that, that would that even be better yeah. <laughs> I think that that was the intention and I feel like um you know so many uh, motivational videos say like if you want to do anything in life you better know your reason why or you better know your intention it better be clear nice and big and it better be big enough to you for you to keep going I think that's one of the reasons why because people that say things like that have been knocked down have been bullied have had to deal with things that you've recently been having to deal with and you know deal with the toll that this can take on you and still want to show up on on social media and still want to jump on our podcast when I invited you. You know, you still want to do those things because this is what it means to you. This is what mattered mm-hmm. to you. All the other things, it's it sucks. It weighs on you. But you know that like this is heavier, you know, like what, mm-hmm. what we're doing right now, this conversation that we have have had right now. Like I know whoever's listening is going to have great insight on this. Or maybe you don't agree with something. Message us. Jump on the podcast with us. Tell us what you think about what we spoke about. Or if you agree or disagree, like comment something. (laughs) Show face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This type of stuff is the paperweight for everything else. That's how I see it. I, I see what the three of us are doing right now as a paperweight, all of the papers and fluff and angry words and, and mean conversations, those can waver and flap around in the wind, but keeping it all together is what the three of us are doing. And I think that that, that always tends to be the thing I come back to. And that's why I, that's why I do all of this, despite what people say. Yeah. I love it. And one last question I wanted to ask you before we wrap everything up. Kayla, is there something we haven't asked you that you feel like we should have asked you on today's podcast? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) You guys were pretty thorough, honestly. I, uh, I, yeah, I I can't think of any other questions. Honestly, you guys kind of hit, hit all the the nails on the head. I agree. I think we had a very, um, fulfilled conversation here. We hit on various different topics and, we really did share a lot of insight and experiences. So I think I think we're pretty good. We're pretty good here. Me too. So thank you so much, Kayla, for getting on with us and for sharing your experience with social media and the emotional toll it's taken on you. And just in general, how it's not just a negative thing. It's also been a lot of positive, mostly positive, and how it's motivated you and changed you as a person as well. I feel like it's also changed your perspective and your way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So Guys, it's, it's not all bad. There's been bad. We've shared the bad. But there's also a lot of positivity to it. And I think it's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> of course. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in, for staying along the ride. And comment, subscribe, follow us. Hit the little check mark at the top if you're on Apple Podcasts. And stay tuned for the next episode. Hope you guys enjoyed this one.